We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Bushevsky takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it in on the foul. What is up and welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast where the Oklahoma City Thunder fall to the Sacramento Kings, 131-110. to Ultimately, this game was pretty significant for the Thunder when you kind of look at the, the reverse standings coming into this game. The Kings were only two games back of the Thunder. Again, that's on the reverse standings. So essentially, um, the, the lottery odds that, that you have the chance to get the number one pick, the Thunder have the fourth worst record, the Kings have the sixth worst record. Um, and so this game, A, with the loss for the Thunder, separates them by yet another game. But it also gives Sacramento the the season series lead over the Thunder. So coming into this game, Oklahoma City had won one game against the Kings. Um, the Kings had won two games against the Thunder. So rather than this season series being evened up, the Kings take the tiebreaker in this case. So it really created uh, essentially a game and a half cushion for the Thunder between themselves and the Kings. And so at this point, the Kings have 23 wins. The Thunder have 19 wins You know with... Just over 20 games, I believe it's 21 games remaining for the Thunder. That would mean that they'd have to win five more games than the Kings since, since the tiebreaker, um, at least head-to-head, there could be a three-way tie, which makes things different. But at least head-to-head, if they were to tie, um, the Thunder would actually uh, win that tiebreaker. So realistically, for the Thunder to win five more games than the Kings um, over the last 21 is pretty unlikely. Um, it may even be unlikely for the Thunder to win five total games over the next uh, 21 games or so with the last five or six weeks of the season. So significant in that regard. And then it was also just in general a fun game. Um, I don't think you could ask for more in terms of, you know, it, it was a 21-point deficit when it was all said and done, but Oklahoma City really led for the majority of the first half. Um, they pulled away, you know, many different times. I think their their largest lead in the first half was was nine points, and so, um, you know, obviously they, they got off to a hot start. We're getting a lot of production from quite a few guys, and, and to set the stage even further before we, we dive too much into the game, um, Oklahoma City is without quite a few players, most notably 
Um, Josh Giddy, they're still without veteran Mike Muscala. They're still without a key piece in Kendrick Williams. Um, Lou Dort also still out. Um, he, he's been out for quite a while now, and it doesn't sound like any of those guys that I previously mentioned um, are going to be coming back anytime soon, at least over the next game or two. Um, there's been no progression updates unless just kind of out of the blue one of those guys come back, which which could happen. Um, doesn't sound like they're you know set to be in the rotation this upcoming game uh, Wednesday in Denver. So, you know, you're without five guys, you know, many of which are key rotation plays, especially Josh Giddy with how good he's been this year, even as a 19-year-old rookie. You know, he's producing um, on many nights, 10, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and then also has the ability to score the ball. He's a huge facilitator. Um, so you're without him. You're without some of your veteran pieces. And, and again, um, taking a full circle here, the Thunder led a good portion of that first half. It was really the second half where things fell apart. Uh, third quarter, things didn't get away from the Thunder. Um, the Kings did ultimately take over the lead in the third and then had a pretty decent 9, 10, 11 point lead that fluctuated um, a couple points here and there throughout the third. And then the fourth quarter is really when things fell apart. Uh, I think when you look at the, the free throw numbers, um, at the end of the game, you know, Oklahoma City shoots 27, uh, the Kings shoot 30. So it's only three on that differential on the free throw attempts. But it seemed like in the second half, the Kings were just getting open looks. They were getting foul calls. They were being aggressive at the rim. They had guys hitting threes that, you know, hadn't necessarily produced the first part of the game. Dante DiVincenzo down the stretch was torching the Thunder. He had a couple of timely threes that really uh, helped the Kings put the Thunder away. But ultimately, the, the Thunder played um, solid. It was really defense that was there to their detriment. Anytime you give up 131 points, you're probably not going to win, uh, especially when you're a team like the Thunder that has the absolute worst offensive rating in the entire NBA um, there's not many nights they're going to score 131 points in an entire season. And so it came down to defense. The Thunder offensively looked fine. Um, they shot 46.5% from the field, 31.4% uh, from three, which is actually lower than their season average, 70% um, from the free throw line. They got they got out-rebounded. That was a, an eight-rebound differential. Um, a lot of that was on the offensive glass. The, the Kings had four more offensive rebounds than the Thunder uh, assist numbers were fairly consistent. Steal numbers were fairly consistent. Blocks, turnovers, points off turnovers. The Thunder actually had 31 to Sacramento's 13. So the Thunder really thrived off of turnovers that they forced. You know, a lot of those steals um, were ultimately converted into points. And then the points in the paint battle, the Kings won. Um, although Sabonis didn't have a great game, which we'll touch on here in a second. Um, you know, he's just a force in the paint and in general on the glass. And then uh, with scoring points in the paint, the Kings just really beat Oklahoma City up down low. And so that was kind of the, the overall themes of the game. If we want to talk about a couple of individual players, uh, Shea, once again, was spectacular. He finished with 37 points. Um, so he, since he's come back from that injury, he's just been uh, a 30-point machine. He did that on 16 shots, which is really impressive. With Shea in the past... Uh, we talked about volume scores all the time and, and how maybe they're not scoring efficiently. And so, you know, when you're shooting, Luka Doncic is, is bad with this sometimes. Like, don't get me wrong, Luka's a fantastic scorer, but sometimes you'll look at his stat line, he scored 
you know, 46 points, but he shot the ball 38 times. And sure, 46 points is great, but when you're taking 38 shots, that should be expected. And so to see 37 points from Shea um, on, on just 16 shots, 12 of 16 from the floor, 3 of 3 from deep, 10 of 14 from the free throw line, also contributed 10 assists, 7 rebounds, um, 3 steals. He's been much better defensively of late. Mark actually talked postgame about that, um, or even pregame, rather, um, saying that Shea's enhanced defense this season, um, while it wasn't great in the first place, so only only one way to go up, or one way, one way to go, which is up, uh, has been better in, in Dagnall's eyes this season, and that's actually helped, in his opinion, Trey Mann and Josh Giddy um, ramp up as quickly as they have, because when you're playing alongside a guard in the backcourt that can defend it alleviates some of that um, defensive pressure, which we all know Trey Mann, um, that's, that's been something the coaching staff has talked about all year. If he's going to be a player in this league for a long time, it's going to come down to that end of the floor. Like Everybody knows at this point he can get buckets. He's even flashed the ability to pass the ball and facilitate pretty well. It's really going to come down to can he be physical and be a good team defender uh, to stay on the floor. And then same for Josh Giddy. He's, he's looked solid on defense this year relative to his age and, and really his athleticism. But Dagnall thinks that a large part of that is Shea's um, increased defensive ability. And, and tonight he was solid. He had those, those three steals like I referred to. And um, that's, that's a quarter of the team steals in the night. And whenever you're winning the kind of transition and, and points off turnovers battle, you can just tell that a lot of that momentum uh, was created by SGA on the defensive end of the floor. Um, I think, although it was an extremely efficient night, there's a lot of takeaways from Shea's night um, that were positive. I think if I chose one thing that stood out for him, it was the the rhythm shots. Um, talked about this on the Sunday night group pod. Like 90% of Shea's shots last season were isolation, unassisted shots. Um Rarely did he ever just catch and shoot a three. Like he never sits in the corner, sits on the wing, catches, fires away, makes it. It's always a step back or or a created shot or an off the dribble kind of fader, uh, which is fine because last season he made a lot of those. This season he's been a little bit less efficient from beyond the arc. But when when you think about him potentially playing off ball more with Josh Giddy taking over as a ball handler, um, he's gonna have to to take a lot of those rhythm shots and, and move without the ball to get open and, and, and work within the offense to get those types of shots. And tonight, um, several times, you see Shea um, take and make uh, a rhythm shot that he was kind of set up by a teammate versus having to create for himself. And I think if he can um, enhance the ability to move without the ball, I think the perfect example of this is is Riff Hamilton, and I don't think Shea, I, really I don't think anybody in this league may may ever be as good as Riff Hamilton was at moving without the ball. If you ever watch his film, I mean, he, he would run miles in the game without even touching the ball more than a few times, but whenever he got the ball, he was oftentimes open because he moved so well without it, came off screens, um, took the right angles, and I think that's something Shea can improve on, and so that when he does catch the ball, when, when Giddy's facilitating, he's in a position to score, um, he, and oftentimes that can even result in him having a mismatch because as he's moving without the ball and you have action away from the ball, down screens, you know, cutting back door, um, you know, cutting corner to corner, whatever it might be, guys are switching, you're forcing teams to switch. And then maybe the, the large part of the action offensively and the flow of the offense was to get Shea um, with the power forward or center on him, at which point he can do his thing, cook and score. And so 
he doesn't always have to be the primary ball handler and facilitate for himself. Um, I think that's been overlooked as we talk about the the Shea Josh backcourt, but I think there's a lot of things that um, that we saw tonight that were positive in regards to Shea being an off-ball player. Um, again, Josh did not play tonight, so Shea had the ability to be on ball a little bit more, although Trey Mann um, also ran a little bit of point guard, and, and some others did as well. Aaron Wiggins ran a little bit of point guard, or at least brought the ball up more often than he normally did. I feel he ultimately got hurt and, and left this game with an ankle injury. But um, positive things from Shea. Uh, some other guys I wanted to, to throw out here. There wasn't a ton of scoring from other players. Like 37 out of the 110 points came from Shea. Um, Saar had a, had a solid game. Uh, Career-high 26 points. He knocked down um, his first career three-pointer. Finished with 12 points, four rebounds. Solid night from him. I still don't think he is going to ever be a full-time member of this team. I don't think he'll ever be a full-time member of really any team. He just seems like a, a two-way and G League guy for probably his whole entire career. But it's, it's interesting to see him play in the system and, and looked fairly solid tonight. Um, Darius Baisley, eight points on three of six shooting. Um, two blocks, one steal, two rebounds. The, the forward that actually played better than him, so Baisley's been playing great, and that's a solid line from Baisley, given you know he only shot six times. You can't expect him to score a ton, but he did a lot on defense. But Pokashevsky, I think, was probably the most underrated player in this entire game, just with what he did across the board on both ends of the floor. So I'll read out his stat line. Um, he had nine points. He had two blocks, two steals, five assists, eight rebounds, four of which were offensive. Now, he did shoot four of 12 from the field and one of five from deep, so not the most efficient night offensively. But when you're, when you're producing four offensive rebounds, four defensive rebounds, five assists, two blocks, two steals, um, that's incredible, right? And I don't think any, anybody in the front office, I don't think anybody that follows the Thunder, I don't think anybody in this league thinks Alexei Pokashevsky is going to be an all-star at any point in his career. But if he can be that guy that does everything for you and stuffs the stat sheet and is a mismatch on both ends of the floor with his size, being a seven-footer, being disruptive, um, the ability to knock down threes and, and play multiple positions offensively, that is that is the exact type of role player that you need and would be well worth the, the selection when Oklahoma City moved up to grab him um, in, in last year's draft. And so, reminder, he is... Very young. He's still one of the 15 youngest players in the NBA, even with this rookie class. He will be younger than, I wouldn't say a lot of the players in this upcoming class, but would be, um, I mean, if you if you took every single prospect in this upcoming draft class, I would imagine Pokashevsky would be top 30 youngest, um, or at least fits in with the draft class. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't be an outlier in terms of being like the old guy in the class. And so as we think about his development and when he was drafted, you know, everyone talked about that three to four year window before you could really evaluate his long-term fit in the NBA, not just on the Thunder, but in the league as a whole, how much weight could he put on, you know, how would he adjust to the game? I think nights like this are, are really telling. Like he's had 20 point games in his career. He's had some you know, double doubles in his career. He's had games where he's knocked down, you know, five, six, three pointers, if not more. But I think these are the types of nights that are really telling because this is the type of player that you prefer that he is um, when, when it's all said and done. He, he's you know, 25, 26 years old, entering his prime and, and doing the things that the Thunder ultimately drafted him for. Um, 
Last guy, Trey Mann. Uh, he's had you know four 20-point games this season, all of which have come in February. This was the last game of February, being uh, February 28th, a short month. He finished with 11 points on 5 of 12 shooting, so not the greatest night for him. But I talked about the passing earlier. Um, he had four assists. Or... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, four assists, three rebounds. Um, thought I was getting those, those flip-flopped there, but the passing ability, he, he played point guard growing up. He played point guard in Florida. Um, doesn't get to play true point guard as much as he probably like in this Thunder system, just being on a guard-heavy team. But he does have the ability to pass the ball. He's not just a scorer, and I think that he'll be a lot more dynamic than people think. And then last quick shout-out, Teo. Um, didn't have the most efficient night when it was all said and done, three of nine from the floor. But he did have a spark there where you were watching him play. He had four assists as well, um, in which you thought, man, like maybe maybe Teo is an NBA player. Like, uh, I don't think he showed that he was a, a quality NBA player, but at least he showed that he belonged. There's, there's been times this season where you're thinking, like, man, will this guy be in the league in, in two years? And tonight he looked like he at least belonged. He also had three steals and just had a, a solid overall night. Looking at the Kings, uh, like I mentioned, Sabonis didn't have the greatest night in terms of his standards, it, mostly because he didn't shoot much. Um, only 14 points, but he was 7 of 8 from the floor, so he didn't take a ton of shots, didn't really need to. Um, had 16 rebounds, which is very impressive, and 7 assists. Um, for most guys, you would consider you know, 14 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists a, a f- fantastic night, but given Sabonis and um, how well he's played against the Thunder in, in the past couple of years. Um, just a, a mediocre night from him overall. If he would have taken more shots, he definitely could have you know, scored 20 or 30 points. Trey Lyles finished with 24, six po- or 24 points and 6 rebounds. De'Aaron Fox looked solid. Um, 29 points on 10 of 20 shooting. Only 1 of 5 from deep, but he got to the line and converted there as well. Uh, he also distributed 10 assists. And then Dante DiVincenzo, like I said, hit some um, really timely threes down the stretch. He actually finished this game a plus 20, um, had had uh, 14 points on four of three from beyond the arc. And then to round things out, the veteran Harrison Barnes, 23 points on 10 of 11 from the free throw line, 6 of 12 from the floor. And so again, lots of scoring from the Kings. Um, really was, was a... <laughs> A lapse on defense for the Thunder the majority of the night. The Kings obviously are not a good team, being 23 and 40. Uh, but 
you know, when you're playing against the Thunder defense that looked as bad as it did tonight. And, and the Thunder are a top 10 defense in this league. I think they were eighth coming into this game tonight. I don't know how much this game will affect their overall rating holistically, you know, in, in comparison to um, how the defensive rating will fluctuate. Maybe they fall to nine. I doubt they fall any further than 10. And so for all intents and purposes, they're a, a top 10 defensive team still, even after this game. And just tonight didn't show it. Um, again, they're missing quite a few pieces. They came in to the night missing, I think, five guys, and now they're missing six with, with Aaron Wiggins, um, suffering yet another ankle injury. Uh, but overall, again, a solid game. Not much more you can ask for from the Thunder outside of maybe it being closer down the stretch so that it was um, a little bit more of a nail-biter and at least it was interesting. But after that, that Indiana win um, late last week, I, I think it's refreshing to see um, I guess you can call it a quality loss and, and that Kings game being as big as it is for the reverse standing purposes, this was a, a big loss for the Thunder. So um, positive things, you know, a great development from some of the guys, um, flashes of, of what they could be at some point in this league, but also taking the, the much needed L and uh, moving on with the week. And so if we, we look forward to the remainder of the week, Oklahoma City will play the Nuggets in Denver on Wednesday. Um, I'm actually flying out to Denver in the morning, so I'll be there covering that one live um, at, uh, I think it's the Ball Arena now. It used to be the Pepsi Center. I think it's the Ball Arena. Um, and then they'll, they'll round out the week playing Minnesota back at the Paycom Center on Friday, followed by hosting the Jazz once again at home um, on Sunday. And so, you know, facing three divisional teams upcoming over the next five or six days, all of which are in the Western Conference playoff race. So, you know, hypothetically, um, Oklahoma City will be pretty heavy underdogs in all three of these. If they were to finish out the week 0-3, that would put them at 19-45 and on the season, um, 64 games in with, with 18 games remaining. I think they would probably be pretty close to solidifying themselves at the fourth or maybe even at worst the fifth seed if they are able to lose out the remainder of the week um again i don't think they're going to jump in their reverse standing some of the teams above them houston detroit orlando are are quite a bit um further behind in terms of number of wins and so staying at four is really probably ultimate ultimate uh um, obtainable goal at this point and and staying in that fourth lottery odds slot and hoping that the odds are are in your favor, unlike last year. So with that, I'll go ahead and wrap it up. Again, final score of 131 to 110, the Oklahoma City Thunder fall to the Sacramento Kings.